Welcome to episode 305 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about what does it mean to have an eager expectancy for the return of Christ. Let's dive in. Over the last several episodes, we've been walking through a study in Titus chapter two, and I just want to continue that in today's episode. And just to set the stage again, I want to read Titus chapter two, verses 11 through 15. Here's what Paul writes. He says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us that denying ungodliness and worldly desires, we should live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all lawlessness and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good works. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. If you haven't listened to the last several episodes, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it But as we were walking through it, we were talking about this idea that God's grace is available. It is here and it is instructing or in teaching or disciplining us in two very distinct ways. One, it's reminding us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. And in other words, anything that's not like God, it's telling us to say no to, but then it's instructing us to say yes, or to live out this idea of being self-controlled, righteous and godly, even in the days in which we live. Well, I want to look at the next section of this. Paul says that we are looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, just a really quick side note. I really love how Paul enunciates this idea at the very end when he says that what we are waiting for, that that the one whom we are expectant for is our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And some scholars have argued of of how the grammar actually works, but my conclusion after looking at a whole bunch of resources is, I, and I'm so encouraged by this, that Paul is clearly articulating that Jesus is our great God and Savior. And, I, I, and we know that. <laughs> but I think this is so significant because so many people in the world are arguing, well, Jesus was just a man. That, that Jesus was just a historical character. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Yahweh from the Old Testament, the triune God, he has come in the flesh and his name is Jesus. That Jesus is our great God and Savior. And so Paul says, we are looking with this expectant hope of the appearing of, of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I, I just love that idea in that passage. But I want to look at this idea of what does it mean to have a expectancy for the return of Christ? Again, Paul says that we're looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of Jesus. And hope there doesn't mean like a Christmas morning kind of a hope. A lot of times when we hear this idea of hope, it's this idea of like wishful thinking that uh, I really hope I get a pony or I really hope I get the whistle. But that's not how Paul is using the word. The idea of hope, a lot of times in the New Testament, is the fact that there is a truth 
And because of the truth, it therefore produces hope. In other words, we know without a doubt that Jesus is returning. He is coming soon. And as such, it causes or should cause hope to be birthed in our lives. And the reason we as Christians can stand confidently in the in hope is because we know without a doubt that he is returning. And the hope is not some abstract concept. The hope is in the fact that it is the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, the word their glory, I think for a lot of us, we get this idea of like, uh, this mystical idea of like, ooh, his glory. And it's like this, you know, sparkles, you know, around the presence of God. And yet when you actually study out this idea of glory, it's fascinating to realize that it's not talking about something, it's talking about God himself. That to speak of God's glory, as one scholar says, is to speak of his presence and his beauty. Or as another scholar said, that the glory of the Lord is God himself becoming visible It's God bringing his presence down to us. It's God displaying his beauty before us. That it is is God himself. When we talk about God's glory, we we are talking about him. And so Paul says that that we are looking forward, that we're awaiting this this appearing of of the glory, the presence, the very person of God himself. And that word, that that idea of looking forward or the word awaiting, really fascinating. It's this idea of to look forward to the occurrence or the arrival of something. It's to receive or to welcome or to accept. But I love this nuance. It's to receive something or someone in a friendly manner. I don't know about you, but there's this fun idea about, you know, when, when you say, if you have a dog, you know, you come home. And the dog is wagging its tail and it's so excited that you're that you're home. I mean, you, you could walk out the door for five minutes, come back, and it's like the, the dog is just so exuberant. It's like you've been gone for days. Or I don't know if you have like a really close friend that, you know, the moment you see each other, you, you just give each other a huge hug or, you know, you, you have this huge smile on your face. Wouldn't it be interesting to, to realize that the, that the manner in which we are awaiting the coming of the Lord is like that? That, that it's with such a, a joy and expectancy, a smile on our lips that we're, that we're bouncing on our toes, that we're, that we're in the midst of, you know, we're reaching our hands out as if we're going to be a, uh, given a bear hug, that, there, that there's a great joyful expectancy in what is to come. I don't know about you, but that is very different than how most of the world is living right now. That the way that most of the culture, even the church is living, is that there is a as, as, as we look forward, that it's one of foreboding or fear or worry or anxiety. It's not one of great hope or expectancy or excitement. That, that we're fearful about the future rather than excited about what is to come. And what is so interesting about the Christian life is that over and over throughout the New Testament, we are reminded that as we look forward, as we're looking ahead to what is to come, that there should be a excitement. There should be a joy. There, there should be a bouncing on your toes with a smile on your face, ex, uh, forward focused expectancy and hope for what is to come. That there is no fear. There is no, for, no, no foreboding. There is no anxiety or worry. There is only expectancy. That, that it's like a, the night before Christmas and you just can't sleep. You're just so excited. What if we would have that for the days to come? 
that it doesn't matter what culture is doing. It doesn't matter how dark things become. It, it, it doesn't matter what the political system does. It doesn't matter the, the wars that are happening around the world, that the reality of, of our hope is not based on the circumstances of life. It's based on Jesus Christ himself. And because we have great confidence in his return, well, then we can actually live with this hope, this awaiting, this expectancy and excitement in terms of this forward-focused and and awaiting idea. uh, One commentator said this, it is clear that the word wait can describe a posture, not a passivity in the face of a fickle future, but of dogged confidence in God and his sure promises, however remote they may seem at times. Paul describes a waiting that is proactive, alert, and expectant. And wouldn't it be neat if we as believers had that kind of waiting, that there was this intentional alertness and expectancy with just a dogged confidence in the return of our Lord, that that it wasn't, now I understand we don't know when, but that there's this, maybe today's the day that, that he's returning soon. I, I know without a doubt that, that there's coming a day when when Christ is going to return and he's going to stand upon the Mount of Olives and, and the fullness of his glory is going to be seen and every knee is going to be bow, bowing and, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. What if we would have that kind of expectancy and hope? That it's not just like, yeah, 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 sometime in the future he might return. Yes, okay, good. Praise the Lord. But that there was an expectancy and hope. Again, in Titus chapter two, Paul says that God's grace has appeared and it's teaching us to literally be looking forward with hope of the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So with, with just as a, as a backdrop, I want to give you really quickly nine practical ways that we can hope and expect his appearing. In other words, what does scripture say that our attitude as believers should be at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we know that the culture, as Scripture says, is as the day draws near, that more and more people are going to deny Jesus, that more and more people are going to deny the resurrection, and they are not going to believe in the second coming. But what do we, as believers, how are we supposed to live in this idea of looking forward to this blessed hope and the glory of the appearing of Christ? So really quickly, nine ideas that come from Scripture. Number one, we are to earnestly watch and be ready for his return. Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 and 42 says this, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father alone. Therefore, stay awake for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. In other words, we should have an earnest, expectant watch and readiness of our soul for his, uh, his appearing and his coming, that, that it could be any day now. So let's have an earnest watch and, and readiness in our soul. Number two, we are called to live well and keep the faith. A second Timothy chapter four, verse seven, Paul says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. And it's interesting as you just look at this idea that we as believers are to do the exact same thing, that whatever season we are in in life, that we are to actually finish the race, that we are to keep the faith, that we are to keep fighting the good fight. So 
regardless of when Christ returns, do you realize one of the ways that we can actually prepare for his return and have the expectancy of his coming is to actually live well in the here and now. In other words, we're not just to give sway to sin or we're not just to live like the world. Rather, we are to actually live fully as believers and Christians right now. Number three is this idea that we should be cultivating a love for his coming. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, right after that verse about fighting the good fight and finishing the course and keeping the faith, Paul says this, In the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Can I ask you, do you have a love for his return? I've talked to a lot of Christians who are like, yeah, I really, I really do want Christ to return, but, but I, I really want him to wait a little bit longer. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I want to get married first, or I, I want to shave, right? If, if you're really young, like I, I want, I want to be able to experience life before Christ returns. And can I tell you, if, if that is your attitude, then you really have missed the beauty and the grandeur and the glory of what it means for Christ to return. In other words, if you are looking at the return of Christ saying, God, could you could, could you just wait a little bit longer? I'm engaged. Uh, can I get married first? Or, you know, I'm dating. Can I please just get, you know, get engaged and get married? Or, or, you know, hey, God, can I please shave before you return? Do you realize that, that if that is your attitude, then you have no idea what the second coming of Christ actually means. Because if we truly understood what it meant for Christ to return, there would be such a love and an earnestness and a, and a, oh, Maranatha, come more Jesus, that there would be a cry of our souls longing desperately for the return of Christ. And so can I again just encourage you that, that if there's anything in your life that you're wanting more than the return of Christ, that I want to go on vacation or I want to see this locale or you know I want to have this experience, and you're, and you're wanting God to wait to return before that experience, then I, I genuinely think that there's a problem in our lives spiritually because we don't fully understand what his return means. That if I really understood the beauty of his return, I, I would long and love that and be willing to give up anything and everything in my life just to have him here in, in the physical so as Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 8, would you begin to cultivate a love for his coming? And again, that's not something you can just whip up, but I think the more that we know Christ and we know his beauty and we know his glory, and we know his presence, and then there's this hunger and a love that just begins to bubble forth within us that's just like, oh, I, I want Jesus. And if you don't have that, begin to pray for it. Begin to pursue Jesus Christ and ask that you would have a great love for his return. Number four is this idea that we are to fix our hope on his coming and prepare ourselves. As 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 15 says, Peter writes, Therefore, having girded your minds for action, being sober in spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourself in all your conduct. Peter writes that we are to fix our hope and we're to actually 
live in such a way, not according to our former way of living in all the sin and lust, but rather we are to prepare ourselves in the way that we live. We are to be holy because the one who has called us is holy. And just like Jesus's parable, there were five virgins who were ready for his return and there were five who were not. There were five that had the oil and there were five who did not. And at this idea of the revelation of Jesus Christ, could, could we fix our hope completely on his grace? Could, could, can we can we prepare ourselves and walk in holiness, live not like the world because we know he's returning soon? Number five is this idea, almost as an outflow of that one, to walk in obedience and to live holy, righteous, and godly in the present age. As Romans chapter 13, verses 12 through 13 says, the night is almost gone and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and in jealousy. Paul says, all right, the day's almost at hand. We're almost here. Let's live properly. Or as Titus 2, and this has been our in our passage, but Paul writes in Titus 2, chapter 12, or verses 12 to 13, that we should live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so as we're looking and we're having that expectant hope, we should be living self-controlled, righteous, and godly in this age. Or as Paul says in 1 Timothy 6.14, he writes that you keep the covenant without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in other words, we are to walk in obedience. We are to be walking in holiness in these days. That these days are not just a free-for-all, and then when he returns, okay, I'll, I'll get my act together, but rather I'm to live right now as if that reality then is true, as if it's actually here. That the same way that I'm going to be living for eternity, which is in obedience and holiness and righteousness and godliness, I need to begin to live that here. And I understand we're not perfect. I, I understand we're still in sin-stained body. I, I get it. I get it. And yes, we need to walk in repentance. And yes, yes, we need to, we need to be sanctified. I, I get it. But do you realize that the reality of the eternities is available to you and you can actually live right now through and in the life of Christ and you can be empowered by his life? So let us walk in obedience and holiness, looking forward to that great day. Number six is this idea of be patient, that we've been waiting 2000 years for the Lord's return. We need to be patient. And whether his return is this year or next, or 10 years from now, or 100 years from now, we need to be patient. James chapter 5, verse 7 through 8 says this, Therefore be patient, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the soil, being patient about it, until it receives the early and late rains. You too be patient, strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. James says, the Lord is returning, but be patient. That, that it is drawing near, but be patient. And, and as I look at biblical prophecy and I look at world events, I, I do think it's soon, probably within our lifetime. But every Christian generation has said that in the last 2,000 years. 
But we should have an expectant hope that maybe we get to be the generation that he returns in. Maybe we get the privilege. But in the meantime, we are to live right and be patient. Number seven, we are to remain in God's love. Jude 21 reminds us to keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. So as we're waiting for his return, that we should remain and keep ourselves in the love of God. Number eight, we are to be anxious for nothing. Again, there should be no foreboding or fear or anxiety or worry in our lives that, that, that as we look at the future, there actually should be great peace and rest and hope and joy. Philippians chapter four, verse five and six, Paul says, the Lord is near, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Hey, the, the Lord's coming. The Lord is near. So be anxious for nothing is Paul's command. And number nine, we should be praying for his return. In Revelation 22, verse 17, it says that the spirit and the bride say, come. It's the word Maranatha. It's that, that idea of, oh, come, Lord Jesus, come. It's an interesting thought that for the last 2000 years, there has been a prayer that has not yet been answered. And the spirit and the bride, which is the church, have been praying, come, come, Lord Jesus, come, Maranatha. And can I encourage you as, as a part of the body of Christ that you should be praying, Maranatha, that there should be a great hope, that there should be a yearning in your heart, that there should be this, oh, Jesus, we need you. Come, Lord Jesus, come, Maranatha. Well, those are just nine ways that we should be expecting his return. And if you want a list of all of those with all the verses, you can go and see that at the show notes for this episode by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash 305 for episode 305. Let's not fall into the trap that it seems like so many Christians are heading where they're living like the world, but just putting a little bit of Jesus on top. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll attend church, but I want to live like the world. The reality of the New Testament is a declaration that says, look, you are to be different than the world around you, that when the world is falling to pieces and everyone's living in fear, you can walk in peace. And what would happen if we readied ourselves like the five virgins that had the oil in their lamps? What, what, what would happen if we would ready ourselves to say, Lord, I'm ready for your return. I'm walking in obedience. I'm walking in holiness. Lord, I have a love for your appearing. Come, Lord Jesus, Come. As Paul says, the grace of God is available and it's teaching us to say no to the world and say yes to the things of God, that, that we can actually live as God calls us to live. And we are looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, I hope that's just a blessing for you as we're looking at these days in which we live. And again, he is returning soon. What an exciting reality. Well, thank you as always for listening to the Deeper Christian Podcast. And until next time, know I'm cheering you on and I'm praying for you as we continue to build our lives around Jesus Christ. <laughs>